Hello and welcome to the Res Public and Politics podcast. Political apathy is rife among young people, not just here in the UK, but globally. This raises significant questions. Is this a problem? If so, how do we engage young people in politics? And are political parties doing enough to combat this? Today, we are delighted to be joined by Tom Matthew. Tom is a a uh, student at the HSPS course at King's College, Cambridge. Aside from his studies, he is the co-chair of King's Politics, a research assistant and a board member of the European Youth Forum, a grassroots movement representing over 6,000 organizations. Thank you for joining us, Tom. I echo Tabby's words. We're so delighted to have you. Uh, just to start, I'd like to ask you a bit about your work at the European Youth Forum. Would you mind just explaining to our listeners what the organization is? and what you're doing to engage young people about current affairs. Sure, yeah, thank you Oliver and Tavi for, for inviting me on. I'm really excited to, to jump into some of these topics. So the, the European Youth Forum is an umbrella organisation. It's an international organisation and it's made up of 108 different international youth organisations from across Europe. And those organisations are then made up by 6,000 grassroots and other international organisations. And we are a representative organisation, so we represent all our members to European institutions and to policymakers. And we advocate on a number of different thematic areas. At the moment, some of the, the key areas are around the climate crisis, around democracy and around youth rights. And to, to give a bit of a sense of how this representative um, kind of umbrella organisation works, uh, are you guys are, are both students, is that all right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Yep. So your students unions represent you, your students unions will represent you to the National Union of Students in the UK, then the National Union of Students represents all the students unions in the UK to the European Students Union, and then the European Students Union represents all of that to the European Youth Forum, and then the European Youth Forum represents that to sort of international institutions, and there are 108 other organisations that are similar to the European Students Union that work in, in that kind of way. So that's how we're structured, those are the areas we work on. And in terms of how we increase young people's engagement with politics, the main way we do it is through empowering our member organisations and campaigning for a civil society that enables young people to have their voice heard and to, to be advocates and to um, be change makers in their, their local context, but also nationally and internationally too. So we do it from a a slightly different level rather than a grassroots one but our member organizations definitely work on the, the grassroots level in trying to create conditions whereby young people can can get engaged in, in politics thank you so much for your answer so what are the biggest barriers in your opinion of like young people engaging in politics today i think one of the cool ones is about trust and i think this underpins a lot of the issues that um that young people face with trying to get engaged in, in politics and uh, I think when you have political systems that are, are not set up particularly well to enable young people to, to get involved and to engage and to have their voice heard it, it creates a number of other barriers which, which make it difficult for, for young people to have the impact that they want to have and I think when you look at um, national contexts and I think this is the case across Europe but we'll take the UK as an example you have political leaders who normalise lying who make decisions with scant regard for the, the consequences and often indirectly leading to lots of deaths in the, in the case of COVID. Uh, to, to use an education specific example you have algorithms being created without proper scrutiny 
which then lead to young people being given grades which prevent them getting onto their dream university course and uh, I think when you have these kind of decisions and, and leaders in the, the highest offices which create sort of feelings of distrust and that the system's not working and it's not representing young people it then kind of raises the question as to why you should get involved at all when there are all these sort of problems and, and failings in the system and uh, over promising and, and under delivering um, so I think this is that this sort of lack of trust is one of the reasons why young people maybe are not getting engaged in traditional institutional forms of politics as much as they they could and I think want to do in a lot of cases um, so I think yeah I think trust is the is an underlying problem that is preventing young people getting engaged in that kind of traditional democratic form of politics. Thanks for that insight. It's really good. Do you think government should legislate to target this disinterest young people have, such as like maybe compulsory voting like in Australia? I think this is a, a really interesting point. I'm not sure of the exact effect that it's had in Australia. In my mind, the only reason why you would introduce compulsory voting is because of an indirect effect of increasing engagement as a result of, of making voting compulsory. But I think on a sort of principle level, it's a bad idea because I think fundamentally voting, the, the whole point of voting is to, is to think carefully about what is in your interest and to use your vote so that you might get someone who represents what you believe fairly accurately. And if by introducing compulsory voting, you get people who are elected by voters who are not seriously considering the issues, then I think it becomes a little bit of a, of a pointless exercise. Uh, I think while it's pointless, it's also really meaningful in that whoever you vote for, whether you think about it or not, you end up getting a representative. Um, and that is a really meaningful thing. But if it's not someone who you have thought about carefully, then you end up getting a, an arbitrary system of random representatives and I think that is one of the worst things in a sense um, so I think the only reason you would do it is because it would then increase engagement in politics but I think fundamentally it kind of it's a way of pushing aside the fundamental reasons as to why young people don't get engaged in politics and it's those things which need addressing at their roots. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Thank you so much. So to play devil's advocate, some people may argue that those who don't bother to engage themselves in politics shouldn't actually be making any decisions. And I was just wondering what your take on this was. I think I would agree. To make decisions, you need to engage in the issues. You need to get to grips with the complexity and you need to think hard and seriously about the decisions that are being made. Um, so I think absolutely, if you're not going to engage yourself in the issues, then you're not in much of a position to make decisions around those issues. The question I would ask is, why are you not engaged in the issues? And I think a lot of the time the answer is not because of, um, from, from a young person's perspective, it's not because of lethargy or, or not being bothered or interested or um, just sort of being careless about what's happening in the world. I think more often it's because the, the systems are set up in a way which make it really difficult for young people to get engaged in politics, whether it's the voting age not being young enough for young people to really feel like they're able to have a a meaningful input into the political system or whether it's because there is a really weak civic education in our education systems that mean young people don't feel they're in a knowledgeable enough position to be able to contribute to decision making or whether it's because civil society is is under so much strain at the moment partly because of the pandemic 
but also over the past 10, 15 years in the UK, at least civil society has been under a lot of pressure. And this makes it difficult for, for young people to find channels into um, politics and, and into getting in, engaged in politics. So I think if you're not engaged, you shouldn't be making the decisions. But I think the reasons why people don't engage is, is where the pertinent question is. Okay, so what age do you think that voting should be allowed then? 16 or even lower? I think the the only practical, politically realistic option is 16. I think it will be reduced to 16. It is in some Scottish uh, elections. I think it will, over the next 10 years or so, end up becoming 16 in, in most UK elections. I think a... A really interesting argument is made by Professor David Runciman, who's one of the lecturers at Cambridge, and he argues that the voting age should be reduced to six, not for any practical reasons, but simply because he sees the defining issues of our time as being climate change. He looks at young people and on average, when young people are asked what they believe about issues like climate change, they take it really seriously. They think big action needs to be taken and that viewpoint needs to be injected into the political system if we are going to take issues like climate change seriously. But if you reduce the voting age to 16, young people typically turn out lower than other age groups because of the issues that we've, we've talked about. And so even if you do reduce the voting age to 16, you only really inject a little bit of that viewpoint into the political system. There are more older people or other generations who have different priorities and young people's voice sort of gets drowned out then, which is why he believes the voting age should be super young. Um, I, I see the logic that there are obvious sort of political difficulties with reducing the voting age to six i don't think it will ever happen um but that is the logic as to why i would re reduce it to 16 um but then that is no golden bullet because there are not as many young people as we need to be able to make climate change a central issue through traditional democratic election-based politics on its own how Can I just go really quickly just on the power of money? So you say that young people and youth are like really, really into uh, wanting to make big changes in climate change, right? So why do so many young people still buy from such fast fashion brands and such huge quantities as well? They're surely just fueling that industry. And actually, they have the biggest power of them all, because if you don't pay the companies, they can't make this. They can't continue to function. So I just feel like some of the things that you're saying perhaps maybe are a little bit broad. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. I think fast fashion and consumerism is one of the fundamental problems with, with an issue like climate change and that kind of behaviour needs to change. But I think it is completely wrong to put this emphasis on young people um, to, to make the behavioural decisions on their own to change this. And I think a much more efficient and, and quicker way of doing it is to look at these, these companies at large and look at their practices and how they are producing the, the products that we are consuming, the standards that they are living up to, the accountability and transparency that they work under. And I think not only is that a, a sort of a more efficient way of dealing with the situation, but it also looks at, at who is fundamentally responsible for, for this. And I think if you put this pressure on, on young people, um, it, it seems like we're expecting young people to be the saviors of this situation when we are not necessarily capable of saving on our own a, a situation as complex as climate change it's a really difficult obviously problem to solve it needs to be tackled from a number of different angles and one of them is the individual behavioral element but i would argue that young people are leading on this front too 
I think it's young people who are driving a lot of the behavioural changes which are becoming much more sort of expected of people in, in wider society. And I think to, to expect young people to um, be the sole source of that change is, is kind of unreasonable in a sense. And there needs to be much more focus on the, the, the corporations which are creating these problems in the first place and, and which have created this sort of consumerism which is driving problems like, like climate change. Uh, could I ask, what are the major political parties in the UK doing to engage young people? And do you think it's enough? Sure. I'm not in a massive position to give much of an insightful answer into this. Um, I'm not hugely uh, sure about what's going on inside either of the, the main parties in the UK. I think the only thing I would say is that more does need to be done because I think a lot of the engagement that's done, at least by Labour and the Conservatives, are through are two very sort of specific groups of people who are unusually engaged in politics and often are um, maybe more privileged than most young people. And uh, I think it's a, it's a very narrow form of engagement and much more could be done to engage young people and people more generally on a much broader scale rather than just to the membership that compose these parties. Yeah, yeah. Like I, 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 I sort of notice as a student that the sort of student conservative and Labour and Lib Dem societies are all very like, you know, the Labour society is very left, the conservative society is very right, and there's not really sort of that centre gravity yeah. uh, and that diversity of thought within political parties that may sort of leave some young people out, if that makes sense. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. Okay, so recently we've seen a rise in direct action by a lot of Gen Z and millennials. So do you think that this is the most effective of youth engagements or are there more indirect means such as like formal lobbying that could be a little bit more effective? I think all these forms of engagement have their place. I think it's really hard to compare and contrast as to which is, is more effective in, in certain instances and whether there is one most effective form of, of engagement. Um, but I do think they each have their place. So I think the more um, direct campaigning style forms of, of engagement are particularly effective for big issues that affect really large numbers of people. So climate change is the obvious example. And I think lobbying is, is maybe more effective for more specific issues that you might take to your representatives. Um, but I think there's a big area, a big sort of grey area in between where you have issues which are fairly big, but also have their nuances where a combination of, of both approaches is the best way to go. Um, but I think the, the other, only other point I would make is that we should be careful about not sort of rejecting the traditional democratic voting forms of politics. I think often in, in youth circles, especially, we talk about um, young people being sort of amazing campaigners, and this is the way that young people have their voices heard. And I think a lot of the time that is true. But I think we should also not reject these forms of politics, which ultimately end up choosing our governments and the policies that they pass. And it's these forms of politics that we also need to do more to help young people to engage in so that they are able to access all forms of, of democratic engagement. And I think then you get a little bit more of a holistic um, sort of way of inputting into the political system, which has the effect of your voice being um, taken seriously and resulting in a little bit more substantive action. Um, so I think a combination of all these different elements is how you make the most change. There are certain elements which are, are more effective at creating change in certain areas, and there are certain areas that young people 
more naturally fall into. But I think all of them need to be used if we're going to um, have the most amount of, of impact possible. So do you think having maybe more young people in elected office and positions of power could sort of increase youth engagement then? Absolutely. Yeah, I think this is is a really important thing that we need to do more to, to help to happen. Um, I think it's for the same reason that we need diverse cabinets. When you see people who represent you and who had come from similar backgrounds to you leading the, the great offices of, of state, when you see them in, in government, it makes it a little bit easier. Not It doesn't solve the problem, but it makes it a little bit easier for the next group to come through. Um, so I think absolutely seeing more young people in, the, in decision-making positions will help to increase young people's engagement in politics. But I think more broadly and, and more seriously, in a sense, it also helps us to overcome some of the defining challenges of our time. Uh, I think young people see issues from a slightly different perspective to other generations. I think if you bring young people into um, governance, I think it helps you to ensure future proofing and long term strategic planning in a better way than might otherwise be the case if you, if you don't include young people in these processes. So it's also about good governance as well as inspiring young people to get involved in politics. Mm, this reminds, sorry, this, this reminds me of like uh, sort of the US Senate and you have those sort of 80 year old men. Uh, there's this favorite quite uh, well-known video of someone sort of asking what the internet was to Mark Zuckerberg. And so yeah. it reminds me of, you know, uh, how how on earth are they supposed to uh, perform scrutiny when they don't actually understand it itself? Exactly. Yeah, so it's a little bit problematic. I remember saying that clip and it's a little bit embarrassing that that, that sort of thing could emerge in a conversation with, with Mark Zuckerberg. But yeah, there, there you go, I guess. <laughs> Amazing. So because of the controversial government policies, COVID-19 has caused this hysteria of hatred by young people towards the Tories. Do you think that the pandemic could act as a kickstarter towards more political youth activism? And if so, in what form? I think the, on average, young people's feelings towards more conservative uh, politicians and, and the Conservative Party probably hasn't been the best for, for a long period of time. Um, but I think COVID evidently has has probably worsened it. Um, I think it could have the possibility of kickstarting more activism, but I also think there are more structural challenges that have been um, worsened by COVID, which make it difficult in that civil society is increasing the more strain. The economic situation is, is really bad. And all of these things together have an effect that it, it makes it more difficult for, for younger people in particular who have been disproportionately affected by the pandemic, whether it's through education or employment, both of which have been massively affected by the measures taken to control the spread of, of COVID-19. All of these things will take a bit of time to, to get back to normal. So um, while I think there are a lot of emotions that have been brought up by the pandemic, whether it will kickstart activism, I'm not sure about. I think it might be more of a slow burner. Um, but I think when you add COVID to Brexit, to the climate crisis, to 2008, all of these things together, I think uh, are creating a, a situation where in five or 10 years time, there will be a really big kind of swathe of young people who are putting a, 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 um, a point to, to our decision makers and to our politicians 
that they are going to begin to not be able to reject. And I think this will be a, a really positive thing when it comes to things like the, the climate crisis, because I think when you when you poll young people, the perspectives that they have are in are in the interest of um, the, the long term sort of sustainability of, of the planet. So I think in that sense, all of these crises are beginning to create a, a situation whereby a lot of change could happen quite quickly, um, as I think they did in the run up to the civil rights movement in America, the fight against apartheid in South Africa. These are completely different issues, but I think you can see some of the um, emotions that were brought up prior to these movements really kicking off. I think there are, there are similar things that are happening at the moment, which could mean that in five or 10 years time, a lot of change comes quite quickly because of what is sort of boiling on the surface at the moment. Awesome. Uh, is there one specific issue that young people are particularly disinterested in? And if so, is there sort of a way to fix it? Uh, I think that's a really interesting question. I think there are a number of issues that young people are interested in and by definition, sort of a, a number of issues that they are less interested in because there's loads of issues. Everything is political. So there's a scale of levels of interest in all of these issues. I think some of them issues which don't come up that frequently, but are really important in terms of helping young people to engage in politics and in terms of sort of setting the cogs free and helping there to be much quicker, more effective, more meaningful change in politics are issues around corruption and lobbying and the influence of money and finance in politics and where power lies, things like the power that corporations have and um, sort of surveillance capitalism and, and that developing and the, the extraction of data and the way that is giving massive corporations massive amounts of power and influence in our political systems. Um, and I, I think these issues are issues that the youth sector doesn't engage in particularly much. Um, they are complicated. They are not fancy issues, but I think if some of these issues were to begin to be overcome and to be addressed, and it's, this is not a quick thing, it would take a long time, and um, that there's obviously a lot of political challenges to addressing a problem like this because it's the political system that, that benefits from the way things are. Um, I think if these things were to begin to be addressed, that then massively helps us to, to speed up reaction to... Um, long-term issues I think it helps us to free ourselves a little bit from election cycle politics not not completely but I think it will help us to to do that and I think it also empowers the citizen and the individual to have their say in representative politics in a way that is more difficult at the moment because of the disproportionate power that big lobbying groups and, and corporations have. Yeah, so a lot of these issues that you mentioned have been sort of fast-tracked by technology Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we live in an increasingly tech-savvy world. And can technology help young people get interested in politics? And do you have concerns about the security and fake news that can be distributed on the net and social media? Yeah, so I think on the first part of the question, digital technology can be a really powerful way of increasing engagement in politics. And I think this is about taking democracy to young people. Uh, I've spoken a, a, a few times about our institutions not being set up in a way that enables young people to engage in politics as well as they can. And uh, I think one way you overcome that is by digitalizing elements of democracy. It means uh, electronic voting. It means um, having much quicker forms of, of communication with decision makers through online platforms. It means opening up democracy 
And I think digital technology can help us to do this. But I don't think you can say everything I've just said and then not mention the second part of your question, which is that there are security challenges with this. There are there are power questions. These platforms are facilitated by corporations who have huge amounts of power. You have unbelievable surveillance capabilities who are able to extract and collect data that is sort of through our permission, supposedly, but not really, not in any meaningful sense. And I think these are, are really serious issues that need to be contended with in a much more direct way. And I think to go back to your previous question, I think digital, the digital transformation of society is another area which is, it's not something that young people are not interested in, but I think it's an area that young people see through quite a narrow lens. And it's about sort of access to technology. Um, it, I think often through an education lens and, and online learning. But I think when you look at it much more broadly from a, um, from a sort of power perspective and where power lies and, and long-term strategically, um, I think then it becomes an issue which has the potential to disrupt society potentially as much as, as, as climate change. And I don't think that's something that a lot, a lot of young people would, would really think about. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe it doesn't have that potential. But I think with the development of AI and quantum computing and all of these different technologies, the disruptive capacity of these is massive. Um, and I think when you look at issues like, so it's potentially smaller issues, but more direct and immediate from a political engagement point of view, in terms of fake news and, and polarization that you get on social media, I think these are, are, are massive issues which affect young people's ability to be able to look at the information available to them and judge what is in their interest and, and who they're going to vote for and how they're going to engage in politics. So I think digital governance is, is another theme which needs a much closer look at. And when that is looked at in a little bit more detail, um, then I think that is something which can unleash young people's ability to engage in the political system. But I also think there are problems that it raises, which we cannot take for granted also. Before we end, do you have anything else you'd like to add uh, to all of this and just sort of round it up or anything? I think the... Maybe just to, to, to close off, I think while I am from the European Youth Forum and I work with young people, I represent young people, I engage in issues that affect young people, a lot of the things we talk about, in fact, all of the things we talk about do not just affect young people. Often they disproportionately affect young people, but they affect us all nonetheless. And as we tackle these challenges, it is about doing it all together. It's not about putting the burden on young, young people to solve. It's not about victimising young people to the point where this is just a problem that is young people's alone. I think often we talk about climate change and this is young people's issue. It's not, it affects everyone. It's not just young people. Um, I, I think young people have a role to play in solving um, this, this challenge, but as does everyone. And it's about thinking about how we can all bring the, the skills and expertise and knowledge we have to, to help to contribute to overcome these issues so that we can all solve them together. So I, I sort of approach these issues from a young person's perspective because that's my background, that's who I am, that's the organisation I come from. But this is not just a young people-specific thing. This is about intergenerational um, equality and thinking about how we can solve this together, not just uh, from, a, from a young person's sort of input perspective it's not just their problem to solve it doesn't just affect them this is this is about us all overcoming challenges which have the potential to cause more disruption than maybe 
most challenges that we've faced in the past. Well, thank you so very much for joining this Res Publica Politics podcast episode. It's been an absolute delight to hear from you on the, such important issues. So thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.